Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Dogs Podcast with your hosts, Blake Reniker, Justin Charles, John Nye, and Josh All. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome back to a special live edition of the Dogs Podcast. I'm going to have to cut, quit calling them special live editions because we go live so often now. It's becoming our niche. Uh, today, I'm coming to you live from Charlie Harper's house. There's the green piano. Uh, and <laughs> I'm gonna, so uh, I've got this nice, beautiful background. Uh, I, we're using a new streaming thing tonight, so if, there, if you notice any technical difficulties uh, or anything like that cut us some slack we're trying some new things trying to go bigger uh we appreciate everybody coming here joining us for this live uh we have a bunch of voicemails that you guys sent us in and we're not going to play any of them tonight because we don't know how to do it yet on this new streaming platform but once we get that figured out we'll hopefully play that for you next week uh but if you do want to get voicemails and intros on the show head to the dogspodcast.com tap leave voicemail on the drop down menu we love hearing from you guys we love getting your guys' intros. Uh, today, we're going to get Justin and John's thoughts on the Ravens game. You know a little bit about what Josh and I were thinking uh, from our live on Bleacher Report immediately after the game, but we haven't got to hear from John and Justin yet. And then we're also just going to kind of talk on where we're at as a team right now uh, after four weeks heading into the bye, what we've liked, what we haven't liked. Um, a lot of noise going on around the Browns this week. So we're just going to kind of break down the first quarter of the season uh, and just kind of get into it with you guys. Before we do, though, I want to remind you guys to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If you're watching right now on YouTube and you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. Make sure you tap the notification bell so you never miss any new content. As I said, we're going live all the time now. You never want to miss out on any live, so make sure that bell's tapped. If you prefer to just listen to the show, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Google. And lastly, if you're looking for more Dogs content, you know where to go. Join the dogs.com, become an official Dog Pack member on the Patreon page. You get extra episode every week, access to the private Discord. Uh, we give away prizes every month. There's fantasy football with us. Just a ton of fun for everybody involved. Browns fans from literally all over the world, from California to Scotland. Um, this thing's global, uh, and it's just a ton of fun to hang out with people. We got Browns backers presidents in there. We got uh, astrophysicists in Scotland. I don't know if that's what he does, but in my head, that's what he does because he has some really important sounding job. Uh, so... Just a lot of cool people in there, and we're all Browns fans. So if you're if you're interested in hanging out with people like that and you want to get to know the dogs better, head to jointhedogs.com, become an official dog pack member. So uh, we're letting this thing fill up. I have the world's worst computer, so I don't even have the YouTube stream pulled up for this. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of go on instinct and say that there's a bunch of people in here, probably in the millions by now. Um, so we'll go ahead and just dive headfirst into this episode. I want to get, uh, before we even start the episode, I want to get Justin and John's thoughts, but I saw something um, that I kind of want to kick off the episode with, and that just kind of, to me, it kind of speaks volumes for where we're at as Brown's fandom this week, because uh, in my opinion, everybody just needs to chill out. Um, I saw this tweet earlier, and it made me laugh really hard. It said, the Browns could win the Super Bowl, and there'd be people worried we didn't play well enough, and we were going to lose the parade. Uh, and that to me was like the truest thing I've ever heard about Browns fans. So let's just all take a collective breath. Like we're, we're two and two. Um, so Justin, John, I want to get your guys' thoughts. Justin, I know you had some stuff and you wanted to kick off the episode. So I'm just going to toss it to you. Um, give us what you're thinking about the Browns and the game and anything else on your mind. All right, I did, I just want to start it off real quick. So let's just talk about the Watson starting thing. Um, I you know I'm up at the game, I'm tailgating. I get a notification, hey Watson's out. He threw. 
She's a no-go. Where'd I go? And so I, I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm wondering, man, is this a more serious injury? What's going on? As as the day, the day went on and more news came out, I'm seeing, hey, you know, he was medically clear, but, you know, he decided not to go. And I'm all I'm seeing this week is just Browns fans, all Deshaun Watson. He doesn't believe in this. He's not bought into Cleveland. All blah, blah, blah. Can I please just say to one time, this is a guy that had a torn ACL and he played through it. It's a guy that hits a crazy pain tolerance that has just played through numerous injuries. So for me, he literally was driven into a, a game because he couldn't get on the plate. So when I read like stuff like that, I went, all right, well, let's, let's just take a minute, think about things. Maybe he went out there, and this is just my personal opinion. I could be way off on this. I think he went out there, he threw, and he said, you know what? I don't have it. Something doesn't feel right. Maybe I'm going to be a liability, and I'm going to not be able to carry out the game plan. And he took a step back because he thought about the team first. Only, and maybe he thought about himself also. I mean, it's also his future. It's just one game. So for Brown, good. Well, I just want to just cut in real quick and because I, I saw the Andrew Barry press conference today and, and kind of his comments on the situation. And he said that like him, Stefanski, the, you know, the trainers, like they came there Sunday with Deshaun. They went out and threw the ball and they said it was clear to them right away that he cannot drive the ball down the field. So it was not like, I, I think it did, like you said, get blown out of proportion. It was not a Deshaun Watson saying, yeah, I don't think I can go. I mean, it was a collective. Everybody just kind of looked at each other and said, yeah, this, this isn't going to work today. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's fine. And I get that. And I'm, I don't trust me. I'm okay. I'm fine with uh, him sitting out. Honestly, I think that it's good for him. Honestly, I get um, one of the Cleveland Browns radio shows. We we're talking about this and they're like, you know, he was medically cleared to play. And I can't remember exactly which show, but they said, yeah, that's also the, the same team doctors that used to have the ball cap with the logo, the team logo on it. And, you know, I know they're, it's an outside doctor now, but let's not pretend like these guys don't have the team's interests first. I mean, obviously over the past, let's say, I mean, since the beginning of the NFL, I feel like the player's health has always taken a step back. Like that's always pushed out of the side until recent memory. So for me, I'm fine with it. My One of my issues with it, though, is I just go, why in the press conference did we say, did we not go, hey, a decision was made. He was, he couldn't go. It didn't look right. He wasn't comfortable. He wasn't feeling okay with it. Instead, we go, well, he was medically clear, but, you know, he decided not to play. Why do we even have to bring that up? Leave that out. I, I just, uh, that was one of my first things. And. I'm okay with Watson sitting out. I hope he gets healthy. I hope this isn't something more serious. And Andrew Barry kind of said today, just a soldier, you know, a shoulder bruise, but it's frustrating because I heard Browns fans literally, it's all, it's like Donovan Mitchell all over again. Oh, where's his next move? Where's he going next? It's frustrating. Browns fans, if you ever, if we have to like literally just chill out for a second, my, my other big pet peeve from the game is I'm at the game. We have a rookie quarterback starting. And the fans are bullying him. This is the guy that you wanted in preseason. Chill out. You guys have to stop. We have to stop. This is ridiculous. I was embarrassed on Sunday at the game. I personally is embarrassed. It's frustrating. I'm done. That's all I have to say. It's, it's bullshit, though. Shame on you, Browns fans of the game. That's all I got. <laughs> If you're in Ohio, Browns fans, DraftKings has upped their sign-up offer to kick off this football season. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets, plus get up to $150 back in bonus bets if your team loses. All you have to do is sign up with our code, the Dogs, all one word. Using our code, the Dogs not only gets you these great bonuses, it also supports this podcast. So if you have been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure you use the code the dogs to maximize your first bets. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in Ohio. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Oh man. How do I follow that? <laughs> I uh I completely I completely agree with everything you're saying. Uh, uh, we're the same fan base that just crucified our last quarterback for playing injured, not playing well. 
Right. You know, I so for, for a section of this fan base to then come out and say he should have played even if he was just a little bit injured, like, no, because if he didn't play well, all he would hear is how bad he sucks and how he was putting himself over the team and how he was washed. Like, why would he do that? If he didn't feel he could throw the ball and give the team the best chance, why would he go out and play? It's loot. It, I'm the longer we do this podcast and the longer <laughs> I interact with people on Twitter and stuff, the more and more I realize that no matter what this franchise does, it's lose lose. Like every, no matter, it doesn't matter what you do. You're somebody's going to find something to complain about. Like, like I said, it's just, we got to chill out, guys. It's one game. It was week four. We're two and two headed into the bye. Like, can we please relax? And one more thing I just want to hit real quick, and you kind of brought it up. I'm on a roll. If you would have went out there and played and tore his labrum or got you know further injured, we'd be crucifying the Browns right now. We would be losing our minds. We would be going, what are we doing? That we sent our our $240 million quarterback out there not helping, and he got further injured. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I'm done. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> well, let me add to that. Uh, you, uh, we're on the same page here, Justin. We're on the same page. Um, so, John, did you have anything you want to add? I know you said you didn't know if you could follow that up, but do you have anything that you wanted to get into? Oh, yeah. Let's do this. Um, and I had something to say. Somebody added to it, so let's address it. Jeremy says Kevin made DTR look bad. Um, I don't know about you, but we just watched an hour of film that disproves that. Um, Blake and I, and I think we just watched an hour of film breakdown that totally disproves that. DTR missed guys underneath that any quarterback should have been able to see. Uh, you can blame Jed Wills a little bit, our offensive line in general, for maybe letting the pressure get to him. I'm on board with that. And look, I'm not the biggest Kevin Stefanski supporter that there's ever been. I'm just realistic, um, and I I defend Stefanski when people are being way too excessive in their criticism. Um, and for the comments about changing the offense, we didn't even change the offense for Deshaun Watson last year when he came back and took Brissett's place. Uh, you want to change what? Do, what do you want to change? The playbook, every play, every rep that. The, all the other first string guys do every week in practice. Like, what exactly are we supposed to change? Supposed to come out with a brand new offense in six days? Get real. That that doesn't happen, and it wouldn't have worked out well. It probably would have been a shutout if we did that. And one more thing. All the comments in the recap that Blake and Josh did saying we're making excuses. Do you know before this year, do you, anyone know, know when the last time the Chiefs lost a season opener? It was 2016. Alex Smith was their quarterback. When? 2016. They played this year. They lost the season opener. They didn't have Travis Kelsey, their second best offensive player. With the best quarterback in the league, the best coach in the league, arguably. And you're saying we're making excuses for having a rookie in his first game ever playing against a perennial playoff team, Nick Chubb's out. Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson are 90% of our offense. And you add Hosek into that, that's another 2 or 3% right there. So, look, it's not excuses. It's coming up with realistic expectations. And if you're going to react to this game and say, we're going to go under 500 or worse, because we lost to the Ravens, you really do need to chill out. Uh, I told myself I wasn't going to overreact after the Steelers' loss, and I haven't yet. So, I mean, yeah, we lost, we looked bad, but the fact is we lost, and there has to be a reason that we lost. We're trying to present some reasons why we might have lost, and you're calling them excuses. But... Then you turn around and say we have a bad head coach who can't call plays. Isn't that an excuse too? <laughs> so, anybody? Um,
Go ahead, Josh. You look like you're chomping at the bit. No, I'm honestly just taking it all in. I'm also kind of irritated with the crappy streaming software that we're using right now. It's just kind of driving me nuts because I want this to be good. John's got some good points. Justin's rant was awesome. Love hearing your guys' stuff. I don't know. I, I was... For me, it's been consistent this year. I don't think the offense looks like I was told it was going to look. I know that it's been four games, and one of them was with a rookie quarterback. But, you know, I've said consistently each week that at points, especially early in the games, I feel like the offense looks a little weird, like a little forced, a little like Kevin's trying too hard. I mean, we even said, we all said that after the Steelers game, like, you know, some of the plays like Kevin, just just go get the first down. You don't have to be cute about it. You don't have to do the speed option. You don't have to do all this stuff. And I just was kind of disappointed to see him still running the same mindset plays with a rookie quarterback who looked completely shook out there. I mean, from the jump, DTR didn't look comfortable. He didn't look like he was prepared to go, even though he, I mean, yeah, okay, he's gotten the reps all week at practice and everything, fine. You're still not ready to take your first snaps in the NFL against the Baltimore Ravens defense who are coming in after an embarrassing loss to, you know, the Colts. And they're ready to come in here and just, you know, make you look bad. And that's exactly what happened. So I agree with, I'm more on like Jeremy's side here in the chat talking about, I feel like the seven out of 10 pass plays that open up the game I would have gone the other direction if it were me knowing that, especially the way DTR looked throwing the ball. I'm not saying that this is 100% Kevin Stefanski's play calling or his fault. I'm not saying this is 100% DTR's fault. This was just a combination of, I don't think, I just don't think we approached the game the correct way. So, so I did a lot of looking into things this week uh, because I feel very strongly about this. Again, I I am have criticized Stefanski this year when I thought he needed to criticize. I criticized him after the Steelers game. I hated the first play of the game that we drew up. Um, but and I don't think Stefanski's above reproach. I can't even guarantee that a month from now I'm not gonna think we should let him go. I my problem is there's no way you watched this game and this is the game that should be making you lose your minds about Kevin Stefanski. They're, they're, that's just crazy to me. We we're two and two, and if I would have told you before going into Bengals week, if I would have said after four games you are going to play essentially four games without Jack Conklin, you're going to play essentially three games without Nick Chubb, you're going to play a half a game without Ethan Postick, you're going to play a game without Deshaun Watson. What do you think our record would have been? Especially if I said, hey. Nick Chubb's going to go down for the year in the first quarter of the Steelers game. Would you have picked us to win that game? No. I I would say most people would say no. And if they say yes, they're probably lying to you. If I told you that in week four, Deshaun wasn't going to play and DTR was going to be making his first start, would anybody have picked us to win that game? No. No. And again, if they say yes, they're lying to you. So... We, you mean to tell me we lost the two games that you would have picked us to lose if we had all this information at the beginning of the year, it, but we got to fire the coach in the bye week? I'm calling out you, Ultimate Cleveland Show. That's the dumbest stuff I've ever heard in my life. I mean, and I've heard so much about this. I can't believe he went in with the same game plan, the same game plan. What, what are we supposed to do? Run the ball every single play? He, yeah, go back and watch the film. He left so many easy throws out there. We did we did make it easy. These were one read. He's reading one guy. If the linebacker goes right, you look to your left. If he goes to the left, you look to your right. And he was just chucking it. We did simplify it. We did call easy completion sport. He didn't take them. It, it, like it's, and so then I started to go back and I'm like, why does everybody want to fire our coach after we started against the Ravens with a rookie quarterback? And then so I started thinking to myself, I'm like, who are some of these coaches that everybody loves around the league that they're just regarding as like the best coaches in the NFL, especially offensively? Mike McDaniels, everybody loves him. I think he, I love him. How many games did he win without Tua? One game. He won one game. Then I remembered, oh, yeah, they had some rookie quarterbacks playing last year. 
So then I went back and looked. I was like, let's go back and look at their game plans for these games, these great offensive mind coaches that everybody loves. Skylar Thompson, a seventh-round rookie last year, came in the game after Teddy got hurt, and he threw 33 passes. And then you could say, well, they didn't have time to change the game plan because he he entered into the game, uh, and they already had a game plan going. So then he started the next week, played one quarter, and Teddy came back in. He threw 13 passes in the first quarter. He's a seventh-round rookie because guess what Mike McDaniel expected him to be able to do? Go out and execute the offense. The problem isn't that the game plan wasn't simplified enough for DTR. The problem is that DTR isn't good enough to be a second-string quarterback right now. And then you can blame them for trading Josh Dobbs. I didn't like the move then, okay, and I hate it even more now that he's playing well out in Arizona. But the, the problem isn't that the game plan was not simple enough. It was plenty simple. Go back and watch. There were plays to be made. And now, if you want to get on Kevin Stefanski because it's on him to get the, the players to execute, I will listen to that criticism. He is the head coach. It's not just about scheming guys. It's about coaching your guys up and getting them to play well. But at the same time, at what point do we hold some players accountable for the way they're playing? And it seems like we only pick and choose who what players. We we get mad at Jed Wills all the time for not playing well. The rest of the offensive line lines not playing well either. And I've heard people say, when are we going to start uh, calling out Will Callahan? Bill Callahan, the best offensive coach, line coach in the league, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. That's the guy you want to call out? At what point is it the players who are on the field that we hold accountable for not playing well? Because they're, I'm telling you, if you go back and watch, I walked Jake, watched Jake Burns breakdown. They are put in positions to succeed. There are plays on that we the Elijah Moore play where he took a he ran 20 yards back, backwards. Yep. If he just runs the play, it's a walk in touchdown. He does, he's not even down in two hand tap. If he just runs the play correctly, it was blocked up. All he had to do was make one cut up the field and he walks in for a touchdown. But people are going to say Stefanski couldn't have, shouldn't have called a sweep with Elijah Moore. In the preseason, we couldn't get enough Elijah Moore. Get him the ball any way you can. He's our Debo Samuel, blah, blah, blah. And then we do it, and we're going to call, yell at Kevin for it? It's ignorant. Uh, the Harrison Bryant, third and one, uh, where he takes the snap, it's a touchdown if uh, Ethan Posick can block. It's a touch. Amari Cooper is so wide open. It worked to to perfection. If you because we quarterback with Harrison Bryant all the time. So if you watch, he motions into the backfield. The entire Ravens defense shrinks. He takes the snap and they fake run to the uh, left side of the offense. The entire Ravens defense bites. They're they're almost like ten of their guys are within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Mark Cooper's got his guy beat by three yards. And uh, DTR can't step into the throw because Posick just lets his guy go. It was a perfect play call. Perfect play call. It's just there's so many things. And another thing, I heard he didn't play to DTR strengths. He didn't run the ball enough with him. You're going to run the ball with your 160-pound quarterback when he's all So what? So you can get him hurt in the first quarter? If we would have came out here and ran a ton of read option with DTR and he didn't even make it out the first quarter – Again, people would be saying, Kevin's getting our guy killed. What are you doing? He weighs 170 pounds. We have to think a little bit. We don't just play in a vacuum. There's context to everything. It's it's wild to me. Kyle Shanahan. Guess how, guess what his win-loss record is before before pre-Brock Purdy. Okay. So when he had Jimmy G as his starter, guess what his record was without Jimmy G? It was eight and twenty-seven. Were people screaming to fire Kyle Shanahan after every game that CJ beat hard or Nick Mullins lost? Was he not simplifying the game plan enough for CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins? No. Like we we have again, I'm not saying Kevin is above reproach. I'm not saying we can't criticize some things about Kevin. I'm saying the for you to watch this game and this is the game that the sky is falling and the season is over and we don't know what we're doing and he doesn't know how to that, that's just so ignorant. We we are just so addicted to drama as a Browns fan base. It's disgusting and annoying. Like, can we? Do, and I was one of them too after the Steelers game. I was distraught. 
But like we have to just realize it's a 17 game long season. Okay. It's not a four week long season. The Miami Dolphins put up 70 points last week. They were the cream of the crop. They just lost by 30 and you only scored 20 points. It is a week to week league. And they had Tua. They had Tyreek. They got Waddle back. They had Moster. They had however you say his name, Devin Akne or Akane or whatever. H-L-Z. H-M. And they they put point points. Aton. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, guys, we have uh, to put things in context with Kevin Stefanski's offense, the Browns are fifth in the league in the lowest drives being a three and uh, three and out behind its Bills, Cardinals, Texans, Cowboys, Browns. So in terms, we go out three and out, the fifth least amount in the league. The play calling, could could he be better situationally at times? Yes. The, but we got to chill out. We got to chill out. This dude had a game, we all agreed in week one, that guys were running around wide open. You're, you're right. Uh, we remember talking about that correctly. It, it was just a rainstorm. And then in week two, and then in week two, you lose Nick Chubb on the third drive. Completely deflates the team. Okay. I don't want to make an excuse, but that's pretty deflating. Okay. Week three, we find that we have Deshaun. Offense has opened up good weather. We drop bombs. We scored 27 points. It should have been 34, but it was a BS call that stopped a touchdown. And then week four, we don't have our quarterback. Like, can we just chill out? Like, this guy is coach. He, he had Baker Mayfield, and don't come in and talk to me about how well Baker's playing this year. It's fraudulent as normal. He's playing really well against bad teams. Let's see how he does in his tough games this year. Uh, and then he coached 11 games with Jacoby Brissett, a backup quarterback. And then he's gotten to put coach six games last year with a rusty Deshaun, and then all the crap we've gone through this year. Like thing, I I'm on the record. Things aren't ever going to be perfect in the NFL. I get that you have to overcome some stuff, but this dude is coached through literally chaos since he's been here, and he's over 500. And he coached 11 games of the backup quarterback last year. Kyle Shanahan coached 35 games of the backup quarterback and only won eight. And people want to crown him as the best coach in football. So one, I will say, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Over. The, the all 22, I mean, that's, that's interesting stuff about those plays. And I mean, I, I, I'm not, I've never argue that our guys are not executing very well on the field. I mean, Jed Wills never executes on the field. Elijah Moore has done some really cool things on the field, but he's also made some bonehead plays and he's cost us, you know, that 20 yard play. He had the fumble against the Titans. And our offense as a whole just keeps turning the ball over. That's the thing that drives me nuts the most is we have this awesome defense that just looks like they can shut down anybody to the point where, I mean, as a team, the Browns are averaging only giving up 15 points a game. And I can't say that the defense is averaging that because they're not. A lot of those points come courtesy of our own offense giving the freaking ball away all the time. We have 10 turnovers in four games. To me, it's that's what needs cleaned up. That goes back to the coaching on that side of the ball, and that's Kevin's side of the ball. I mean, we criticized Joe Woods for three years because his players couldn't execute his defense correctly. So, you know, if somebody's going to take the blame at the end of the day, whether it's deserved or not, it's going to be Kevin. Like, the, it's all going to fall back on him because it's his guys, it's his offense. So he's got to do a better job to get these guys ready to go. If they can fix that turnover thing, to me, that is like the biggest deal with the offense. What do you guys think? I got, I got some. The turnovers definitely suck. Go ahead, Justin. My honestly, okay. My biggest concern right now, overall, other than you know whether Watson's healthy, I'm hoping that Watson coming back after this bye week, we're all good, and we don't even have to worry about this. No sweat, we're cool. We got our quarterback back, no big deal. My biggest concern moving forward from that game and just overall you know, weeks one through four is I don't know if the offensive line is going to be able to play well enough the rest of the year for these downfield plays to kind of open up like this precision timing kind of deal. I just don't think, you know, I just don't know if we're good enough right now. And you look at the tape and you see a lot of guys either wrong assignments here and there or get off the block too early and then they just the defender comes forward and blows the play up. That's 
Uh, that's my biggest concern right now. And I know the offensive line has been strong, a strong part of our team in the past. But when I watched at on Sunday and I, I was like, man, DTR is fighting for his life. You know, he I can't tell you how many sacks he took off the top of my head, but he probably should have taken about four or five more on top of whatever that stat line is. So um, I think my moving forward, we have to figure out the line. The line has to be figured out. And I, I know it's whether it's coaching or effort or guys, guys are not in where they're supposed to be. So that's my big, big thing moving forward. I think we need to address that. And then if that, if Jed Wills or, and I know it's not just Jed right now, but that's it. Blake, you brought it up. It's not just Jed. You had guys that were, you know, Wyatt kind of looks a little lost out there. Even post it kind of, there was a play, me and Bulls <laughs> were talking about it. Um, he came off, he basically just let, let the guy free, a free release at the quarterback and it just blew the whole play up. So I don't know if my thing is right now, that offensive line is not good enough to be, do what we want to do, whether that's Kevin's offense, whatever, we got to figure that out. We have to figure that out. If not Watson, we're going to end up. So. So my my pushback on that a little bit would be in its again I I say they're not playing I also agree they're not playing well enough right now. Um, t- Nick Chubb made a lot of people look a lot better apparently than what they were apparently. But two, you this is why it's so important for Deshaun to be healthy is we we got him to make up for deficiencies like that. So like that's why if Deshaun would have played in Week Four against the Ravens and we still only scored three points. Then I would understand like the uproar. Okay. But we signed Deshaun to be able to like, oh, the offensive line blew a player. Well, Deshaun's a, a difference maker. He can make the he can overcome that. You saw on the Titans game, we didn't block well in the Titans game. We scored should have been 34 points because Deshaun broke so many sacks. He broke so many tackles, made so many guys miss. Like he is the guy who's going to help in that area. So having Deshaun healthy. Is going to help mask a lot of those problems. At least it should if he's playing well. Uh, uh, and I agree with that. because I, if you're if you're paying your quarterback two hundred thirty million, we're yeah we're just we're not going to have studs that, like all over the field. You know what I mean? Like he's going to have to overcome some deficiencies on the team somewhere because that's what he's getting paid to do. He's being paid to be the the equalizer, the overcomer. Um, but that's again why I don't understand the uproar from the Ravens game. In in the last four years, what did the Browns lean on? It was Nick Chubb. Well, we didn't have him. Okay, so we got a brand new franchise quarterback. Oh, he didn't play. Well, how many identities do you expect a team to have? There's only so many things. You know, what I mean, like, what are we? We hang our hat on the run game. Oh, well, we don't have Nick Chubb. Oh, we're gonna hang our game on our quarterback coming to sell. Oh, well, he's not playing. What do you? There's only so many things you do. Oh, well, then we should have. I heard like uh, Ken Carnan, we should have just ran it 50 times in a row. No, we shouldn't have because guess what? Um, first of all, that would irritate the rest of the guys in the locker room because they'd be like, what are we even doing here? Uh, two, like this guy's getting paid too. He should be able to throw some passes. Um, two, then you would complain that we did, uh, Kevin didn't give DTR the opportunity to go out and play and show what he could do and give him a chance to go win the game. And this is the NFL. I don't care that we lost 28 to three. I just like, I don't care if we lose 28 to 27, it's not style points. It's on to the next week. Who cares? A loss is a loss. Win next week. The Ravens just lost to the Colts backup quarterbacks. They weren't losing their minds. Well, this is one week. We're going to go win the next week. Like we got to change our mind and our outset and our outlook on it. Like it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, so I wanted to go back to the turnovers thing. It's obviously an issue for the offense, the turnovers. Um, I would say, though, we have 10 turnovers on the season. Three of those are picks by the backup quarterback. I, obviously, you can't just, like, cherry pick and throw them away, but it, in his first start, he had three picks against the Ravens. So, and then Elijah Moore, I know for a fact he has a fumble where he got stripped in the Titans game. 40% of our turnovers, that, that's 40% of them. Three picks by a rookie quarterback, and then Elijah Moore getting stripped. That's not scheme. That that's that's literally just Elijah Moore just not holding on to the football. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure he gets coached to hold on to the football. So 
I think watching the the breakdown, I felt more encouraged because everything that people are freaking out about is so fixable. It's so fixed. We're not. It's not because it's a lack of talent and uh, the coach doesn't know what he's doing. He's calling plays that if we block it right, they're there. He's calling plays that if if the quarterback makes the right read, it's there. So it's it's all fixable. Now, if six weeks from now it's not fixed, then we can get on Kevin about how he's not being a good enough head coach. And I'm I shouldn't. I will be like, okay, he's got to coach these guys up. But to just say his offense sucks, he doesn't know what he's doing. He should have had a completely new game plan an hour before the game started. Like, it's it's unrealistic. I went back to uh, some other things. Um, in C.J. Beathard's first game as a rookie, he threw 36 passes in three quarters. So it's not just the Browns, and it's not just Kevin Stefanski who expect his backup quarterback to be able to come out and execute a game plan. He's not the only coach in the NFL history to do that. I watched Andy Reid call a pass play with Chad Henney in the playoffs on fourth and one to seal a game. It was against us. That was a Patrick Mahomes that threw that. That was their backup quarterback. He told his backup quarterback to go out and make the, the throw to seal the game. But a backup quarterback is supposed to be a guy who can come out and play football good enough for you for a quarter or a game or two. He just isn't going to sustain it for a whole season. He's not going to play at a consistently high enough level to be a starter. But he's supposed to be able to come out and execute a game plan. And if if he can't, if because he's a rookie and he can't do it, then he shouldn't be our second quarterback. And that's a completely different discussion and argument to be had. But the second-string quarterback is expected to be able to come out and execute be playing for one game that like that's that's his job he's being paid to do that this episode is brought to you by omaha steaks browns fans fall is in the air and that means we're looking forward to chris mornings falling leaves and more sweater weather more importantly you gotta get the best meats for your tailgates for your outdoor cookouts this fall just to kind of put the bad taste of the Browns game out of your mouth, get the great taste of Omaha Steaks coming in. Omaha Steaks has all your fall cravings covered with 50% off site-wide during the semi-annual sale. That's 50% off all your favorite tender, juicy, extra-aged steaks like their Butcher's Cut Filet Mignons. Go to omahasteaks.com right now. Use code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, when you check out, and you get an additional $30 off your order. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. You get endless flavor, endless value, incredible entrees, scrumptious size, decadent desserts, and just so much more. All of it, 50% off right now during the semi-annual sale. Every bite is backed by their 100% unconditional guarantee. And like I said, you get $30 off your order when you use promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, at checkout. My freezer constantly stocked with Omaha Steaks food. It is the best. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Go to omahasteaks.com right now. Shop all of these delicious favorites for half the price. Get 50% off plus $30 extra off your order when you use promo code DOGS at checkout. Get to omahasteaks.com right now because this sale is only for a limited time. Minimum purchase may apply. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Can we have that discussion real quick? I mean, well, I saw, I, I was going to say, can we have that discussion real quick? Because I saw a thing from Terry Pluto today said, I, it was either Barry or Stefanski said, we're going to, you know, DTR is going to continue to be the backup. Is that smart? I mean, after what we just saw, we have PJ Walker, who, I mean, again, he's not some, you know, high level quarterback. He's a backup. I mean, obviously, but 
He has played at the NFL level before. He's got experience. He's older. He's, you know, he's got more under his belt. He's got some wins in the NFL. I mean, I, I don't know. It, would that be a smarter move to have him as the number two in case anything would happen mid-game that we need a guy to come in and not lose it? So, am I remembering correctly? Didn't Stefanski name Dobbs QB2 and the next day Barry traded him? Uh, the same day, I think. Yeah, same day. Same, same day. Then so, a couple hours later. Yeah. Okay. Man, DTR is Barry's guy then. And I'm with you on that. Uh, based on the way he looked, uh, clearly not ready yet to start in the NFL. And that doesn't mean he's never not going to be ready. Right. He'll be ready. I mean, Roger sat for a few years. Uh, DTR could be great one day. Sure. If if you move DTR to QB three and say you move PJ Walker to QB two, would you have to then put DTR in your practice squad, or then would you have to release somebody off your roster to make room to carry three quarterbacks? That's a good I don't know how all, I don't know what is going into that decision making. I don't know how all that works. You know what I mean? Like that's a if you point. put DTR in the practice squad, are you able to? All right, if he goes on the practice squad, are you able to protect him? Like, so make sure he can't get picked up. Or if you put him on there, can some team come grab him? I don't know how. I don't know the intricacies of the uh, the practice squad enough to know that stuff. So there's there's thought the the just the training of Dobbs is just it's before cut down. People ask me who I thought that uh, should be this the QB two because DTR played so well in the preseason, and I said it should be Dobbs because if. Deshaun Watson goes down. I do not want us to have to bank on a rookie who's never played before uh, with this team. And it came to fruition in the first month of the season. Um, so that th- again, if you want to criticize Andrew Barry and Stefanski on trading Dobbs, I think that's fair criticism. But to just, I was just losing my mind this week. Like I couldn't wait to do an episode because I'm like, how is this the reaction we're getting? From this is the game, this is the game we're going to react like this. Like, people are like, I'm so fed up. When are we going to be tired of losing with this franchise? It's week four. Like, a quarter of the season isn't even done yet. We haven't lost anything yet. The whole season is alive. If it's week 17 and we only had two wins, okay, I could understand you being uh, mad and calling for people's head. It's week four. Starters don't even play in the preseason anymore. This has essentially been our starters preseason. I know, but like I think for a lot of it's just it's mind-boggling to me that people are putting on the internet. I think for a lot of Browns fans and you know in the chat, let me know if this is you know if you're feeling this way or if I'm off. I I get the sense that we've had plenty of years of experience where early losses, especially like that Steelers game where it should not have been a loss. I'm kind of with you here on the Ravens game. Like, okay, so we didn't win a game with our backup rookie quarterback. All right. But that Steelers game really hurt because th- so every season there are early games that by the end of the season we're going, well, shoot, we need this team and that team to to win and lose and all this stuff. And it's like, man, if we had just won that game earlier in the season, that close one. So that I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes into, for me anyway. And, and I, you know. I just want to throw this out. I did that. And I would one of the people. I was one of those people who was frustrated after the Steelers game, but then I like you know woke up and realized that it was week two. And my 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 um, disappointment with the Steelers game was more like I thought it was a chance to make a statement, you know. And then like the Nick Chubb thing happened, and like it was just deflating. You know, this game as soon as I heard Watson was ruled out, I was just like. It is what it is. Like, I'm watching this game because we got to do a Bleacher Report afterward. Uh, like, it just, I had zero expectations for how the game was going to go. Um, I wanted to touch on a little bit of uh, the, the, I keep hearing about seven of the first 10 passes of the game were, seven of the first 10 plays were passes for um, DTR. And he threw the ball way too much and all this stuff. I went back and I looked. In the first quarter, we had seven runs and 11 passes. Two of those 11 passes were after Elijah Moore ran backwards for 20 yards. 
So were you going to run the ball on second and 30 and then third and 25? Like, you know what I mean? Like, probably not. So if Elijah Moore, well, one, if Elijah Moore just cuts and scores the touchdown, who knows what's happening. But if he just goes down for a two-yard loss or a one-yard gain, we don't know if he if they throw two more times. You don't know that. And it was basically so that it's seven and nine if Elijah Moore does a run back. It's basically 50-50. It's, 50, it's basically 50-50 in the first quarter. And then I went back and I was looking at some of the, the – um, I was looking at all of our offensive possessions to see, like, where I've ran it instead of throwing. So we started the game off with a run by Jerome Ford that gets called back on a ticky-tack hole. Okay. And then uh, DTR completes a pass to Donovan Peoples Jones for seven yards. And then Jerome Ford runs it. So it's now second and three. Jerome Ford runs it for a minus two yard loss. So then he throws the ball again for the second time on third and five. Is anybody here not throwing it on third and five when Jerome Ford just got stuffed for two yards, two yard loss? So probably not arguing with that play, Cole. Um, and then uh, he throws it. We get the first down. It's now first and 10. He throws on first and 10 to Harrison Bryant for two yards. Uh, on second and eight, it's an incomplete pass to Dino, Donovan Peoples-Jones, which if you go back and you watch the film breakdown, he had two guys wide open underneath, and for some reason he tries to throw it to uh, uh, DPJ. Again, I don't mind throwing on first down because I used to say this with Baker. What's the easiest down to throw on in football it's first and 10 because the whole playbook's open they're defending the whole field okay so i don't mind that also he's completed all of his passes so far so we're getting him into a rhythm nobody's complaining yet okay he's two for three so then uh it's third and eight probably gonna pass on third and eight um and then it's short and then a punt okay so so far would we really be complaining about play calling if we're looking at it second drive jerome ford Rush for seven yards on first down. So it's second and three. I guess you could probably run it. This is one of the times where maybe you could say, okay, let's run it again. We just had a seven-yard run. We threw it, a complete pass uh, to Amari Cooper. And then on third and three, that's when it's picked. Again, he had another guy underneath open. I don't know where he was going with the ball. But you see what I'm talking about here. Like, there, it's not like there was just – we were behind the chains all the time. That we One play so far – where you would go, okay, maybe we could have ran it there on uh, second and short. Our field goal drive. Kareem Hunt run. Kareem Hunt run. Kareem Hunt run. Second and eight is his first pass on this drive after four straight runs. Two yards. Uh, or uh, for seven yards. It's now third and one. We do the play, the trick play. That should have been a touchdown, but Hosek didn't block. It is now uh, – so that's a pass. It's now first and 10. It worked. Should have been a touchdown. Um, Elijah Moore left end, minus 20 yards. We know what happens after that. Then it's two straight passes in the field goal. So please, everybody out there, tell me, in the actual game script and in the flow of the game and with context, where where were all these plays he should have been running? May I showed you maybe one, maybe one play where he maybe could have ran it instead of throwing it? But you, you, we can't just look at numbers and things in a vacuum. Like you'd have to go back and look at context and game flow and where you're at on the field and chains. Like I, I showed you one play where I would have said, okay, we just had a seven yard run. Maybe let's try to run on second down here. But other than that, would you worry? Explain to me where we should have just been running the ball all the time. Okay. So. We had somebody else can talk now. I've been talking for a while. <laughs> well, unless your lag is killing me, dude. <laughs> I don't know if you guys had anything you wanted to throw in on what Blake said. I was going to just shift gears real quick since we're kind of got like 10, 15 minutes left here to really hash a couple more things out. But as far as our defense, so I'm there's a, I know Blake, you don't have the chat pulled up, but there's a lot of, of course, our favorite Ravens fans that love the Browns. They love this podcast. Go Browns. Uh, they're in here telling us that, you know, the Ravens. Just completely destroyed the Browns' defense. Our defense is garbage, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, our defense is still, first of all, our defense is still ranked first in the league, even after that game. 
Second of all, 14 of those points came immediately after turnovers by our offense on short fields. One was from 10 yards out. So congrats, I guess, on on beating our defense there. I feel like our defense, for being on the field essentially the entire first half, I don't. I, I didn't. I wasn't too discouraged by the defense. What do you guys think? Um. Okay. Um. I'll start this. I I 100% agree. If you ever played a sport, um, which I think most of us played at least one, you're not. You don't perform at your best when you've just exerted maximum effort. And it, some of the people in the comments, I'm guessing you haven't played a sport, but that's kind of how it goes. Whether you run, you lift, you play football. Anything you do at all, if you exert maximum force, you you physically can't exert the same level of output until you recover. And it takes longer than some of the offensive drives that the Browns were uh, putting out there. So I'm not taking anything away from the Ravens, though. They did outplay our defense. Our defense did give up points. Uh, our offense gave them... I think first in goal and they scored and our special teams gave up a 50 yard return. And I can't remember if it got called back or not, but our, our defense was not placed in a position to really succeed, but that's more of an issue where like, I'll, I'll admit the Ravens played very well. I, I'm not taking anything away from the Ravens offense. I mean, just interject real quick. I'll, so, go ahead, Justin. For literally for weeks, this defense has been pretty much unstoppable. I mean, they've been very, very good. You just kind of saw them match up with Baltimore, who's their electric. We, I don't know why Baltimore fans are in here saying that we trash their team. I, all I've said for three years now is Lamar Jackson is electric with the ball. He can do a lot of things. Might not be a great pass all the time. I know the passer ratings up, completions up. It, it is what it is. But they're a very, very tough team to lock down on defense. For the most part, I thought our defense did good. We had some bend them not great moments, but we can give them the ball in the red zone and Lamar can just run it straight in. And I've watched that play on the all 22. We made some big mistakes uh, as far as even on that play. So, uh, I'm getting some feedback. Hold on. Yeah. But, um, I'm getting it. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I thought that there were moments, but it wasn't their best game. It wasn't. And, uh, at the end of the day, like we said, it's, we can move forward with this. This isn't like a complete, like, devastating, we're done, the season's over. I, I'm very fine with just moving forward. I've always been the optimist. I think of a lot of groups of friends that I've been in as far as Browns fans. I keep coming back for more. I love this team. I love this city. I love everything about Cleveland. This is one of the best starts that we've had in years. What? I mean, we just gotta we just have to reset. I'm excited. And I could be completely off here because we might get absolutely just walked out of the stadium on, you know, when we play the 49ers. But for me, that's a that's a measuring stick game. If we really, really believe that we're a great team and that we can show up and perform and be a Super Bowl team one day, and these are the foundational steps moving forward, this is a great matchup. That's a very good damn team. Probably one of the, that, That's probably the best team in the NFL right now. I don't know if that's agreed on, but they have a lot of things going for them. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm excited for that game. I don't think we should be just saying, oh, that's automatically a loss. I had a 49ers fan tell me today, oh, hey, uh, that's a bye week for us. And I was like, God, I can't wait. I can't wait for that game. That's all I'm saying. Um, I uh, I don't know if you guys can still hear me or not because my computer You're on is a delay. Really weird. You're on um, time delay, aren't you? But... Yeah, like, I don't know. This shit sucks. Um, we won't use so this one again. The, uh, the defense, in my, 
the defense, in my opinion, it like Justin said, it, it might not have had their best game, but one, it's it's hard to keep that edge up when you just keep getting put back out there after three and out, three and out, three and out, whatnot. Two, you can still be an elite level defense and have a team score points on you. Like the the Bills a couple of years ago had the number one defense in football, and I watched them give up a game tying drive in thirteen seconds. You know what I mean? Like it turns out the game is catered to offense. So if if you or you can be an elite level defense and still come out and give up some points, the Dallas Cowboys got handled by the Arizona Cardinals, and so honestly, the 49ers gave up points in big plays to the Arizona Cardinals, a team that everybody before the season was like, "Oh, they got the number one pick because they suck." So you're absolutely right. I mean, teams are going to come out and score points. I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, we had George Pickens break off for a 71-yard t- I mean, these big, big plays happen. These are NFL offenses. It's okay. What I just am encouraged by is we're, we don't continue that getting gashed all the time like we were, you know, the last three years. So this defense is still mm-hmm. rock solid in my opinion. I agree. I, I did see a stat where – so I, I mentioned that the Browns are fifth in the league in least amount of three and outs. The – three of the four worst teams in football are teams that the Browns have played because we forced so many three and outs uh, at those first three games. Titans, um, Bengals, and Steelers are three of the last four in terms of how many times they go three and out. So you could be, you could look at it one of two ways. You could say the Browns defense is so good, they forced three teams to be at the bottom of the league, or you could say the Browns have played three terrible offenses, and that's why their defense looks so good. I think, again, the jury could still be out because it's only week four and there's a whole lot of season left to play. So could the defense not be as, as good as what we thought? Could we be better? Than, we don't know because it's week four. So that's why we got to chill out. Um, just real quick on the Niners. Like I'm going to, I have a feeling in two weeks, I'm going to have to say, guys, it's only game five. We have to relax because I think there's a chance that they'll trounce us because I think they're in a completely different space right now than just about maybe everybody but the Buffalo Bills. And is even though I think at the end of the year we could go and play with them, we are going to be five weeks into this offense and three weeks into readjusting the light if without Nick Chubb, where they have had their core now with Purdy and Kittle and Debo and Ayuk and CMC. Like these dudes have been together now. Oh, for a little bit of time, they they are gelled. They are, you know what I mean? Like they're so again, even if we go to two and three and we lose to the, the 49ers, breathe. Because then I'm not saying this. I went through and look, just real quick. Even if we lose to the Niners, the Seahawks, the uh Ravens, and the Steelers again probability to finish with 11 wins that would just take beating the cardinals colts bears broncos Bengals, jets with zach wilson uh jags who seem to be struggling like there's a ton of winnable games the cardinals like i know they're playing better but i still the browns would be favored and with a healthy deshaun browns would be favored in probably all those games at least at this moment in time we'll see how the season goes so just relax, guys. I don't care what our record is in week four. I, I literally don't care what our record As long as it's not 0-4, I don't care what our record is in week four. There is still a whole season of football left. We can still finish with double-digit wins. Just make the playoffs. Just make the playoffs. And then anything can happen. You know? So um, just I had to get on here and tell people to chill out because drive me freaking nuts. Mission accomplished, I think. Uh, I think we're about the hour. It's really hard to tell what's going on. I don't have YouTube pulled up. I think we're going to let it. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just kind of like talking to myself in this room. But for all I know, we're not even live anymore. <laughs> so, um, well, I think we'll wrap it up. You guys have watched this uh, me rant in low all of the things for low, long enough. Uh, we appreciate you guys being here. We went to, let's just take pill pills. Um, 
we got a, a good bye week to get healthy, get things right, get some things corrected. Uh, we appreciate you guys being here. Um, I think we might have a cool guest coming up sometime, maybe two cool guests coming up sometime in the bye week if we can uh, work it out. So make sure you guys tune in over the course of the next two weeks before this Niners game. Uh, check out what we're putting out again. Make sure you have the notification bell tap uh, so you don't miss any of the new content that we're putting out. Again, we appreciate you guys being here. And uh, until we see you guys next time, let's just relax. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Dogs Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at The Dogs Podcast. Get your thoughts on the show at thedogspodcast.com. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.